Hello, and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Anna. And my name is Ellen. And in today's episode, we are discussing Book 1, Chapter 10, Strider, exploring how community is built through names. Anna. Yes. Why is today's episode so special? There's two reasons. There's two really big reasons. One of my favorite reasons is because we are attempting to record in person together. In person together. That's right. We are in the same closet this time. Instead of being in separate closets, we're in the same one. It's never been more magical or perhaps sweatier. I know. I'm wearing too many layers. Um, Number two... The second exciting reason for today's episode is that we have a special guest. (laughs) Special guest. We love a special guest. So today's special guest is Mackenzie, and she is calling us from New Hampshire. Mackenzie, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Thank you both for having me. So we have a couple of questions for you. First one, kick it off nice, nice and easy. What is your relationship with The Lord of the Rings? Yeah, so I have always been a big Lord of the Rings fan. I'm from a big Polish Catholic family, and I'm also the oldest of six children. And so growing up as one of six kids, I didn't get a lot of one-on-one time with my parents. And I think the reason Lord of the Rings first developed a dear place in my heart is that the first time I can recall spending extended time alone with my dad, he read me The Hobbit, which I know isn't technically part of the trilogy, but is kind of what set off the whole Lord of the Rings saga. So I think I was in kindergarten at the time and I was still living in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. And my mom and my younger siblings went on a trip. Um, But I stayed back with my dad because I had school and he was running my parents' business. My parents are chiropractors and when my mom and siblings were away, my dad and I stayed in this little apartment above their old chiropractic office um, just because it was convenient. And I think my dad barely knew how to cook anything for me. He made lots of tuna melts. and But each night he would read to me a bit of The Hobbit as I fell asleep. And I was instantly transfixed by the story. I think it was probably what launched me into a lifelong love of fantasy fiction novels. And it's just one of my favorite memories of my dad. I really love uh, reading books aloud. And when I got older, I would actually read The Lord of the Rings aloud to my younger siblings. And they always loved how I would do the different voices for all of the characters. And my siblings and I have even done like day-long Lord of the Rings movie marathons. Uh, we'll dress up as the characters. I typically go as Treebeard. And we'll cook in- recipes inspired by the books. There's actually a really great uh, website of like free Lord of the Rings inspired recipes. So you can make things like Columbus bread and potato soup. And I just really love the Lord of the Rings because it's something I've always been able to bond over with my family. And it's always so fun to just bond over it with friends who love it too, like you both. And also to be able to introduce it to new friends who've never seen it before. Wow, that is such a wholesome introduction to Lord of the Rings. I love that your dad read you The Hobbit. I am thoroughly charmed by this very idyllic childhood that you've painted for us. Very, very charmed. Also checks out that you would go as Treebeard. Do you ever have pictures of yourself in this costume? Because I would love to see them. I will definitely send you a photo that we took once. I think that I did create my own beard out of felt. And I still have it in a box somewhere because you never know when you're going to have to be tree beard or another bearded character. 
It's true. You never know when that might come in handy again. And also we will say, so last week's episode was building community through food. And Anna did bring alumnus bread recipe for the listeners to try. So we'll have to see how it compares to the one that you have as well, because I think there are quite a lot out there. Yeah, I will actually send you that link as well. I think I first learned about it from a New York Times article that was like your 24-hour Lord of the Rings marathon set to a extravagant hobbit feast. Classic. <laughs> I love that. Okay, well, today we're here to talk about names, nicknames. Do you have a story to tell the listeners today about nicknames? Yeah, so my name is Mackenzie, and I guess it's kind of a long name, so perhaps because of that I've always had lots of nicknames. My dad, when I was younger, would call me Mackie-Doo, and occasionally still does, even though I'm almost 29. Um, My brothers call me Kenzie, a lot of my other family and friends call me Mac or Mackie. And what I've always loved about nicknames in my life is how they organically develop. So I've never been one to go to a new group of people and introduce myself as Mac, even though that's probably my most frequently used nickname. Instead, I really like how nicknames organically emerge. And I feel like when a new group of people knows me well enough to finally call me by a nickname, I've made a sort of breakthrough and I feel like I finally belong in that group and know It's a group of people that I'm close to and have good camaraderie with. And so I can share two examples of this. The first one is from when I was an undergrad at Wellesley College. I lived in a sustainability cooperative, and it was essentially 10 of us women living together and pledging to try to live more environmentally sustainably. And so we shared finances, we purchased all of our food from local farms, we had like a CSA share, we had a milk share, and we had a milkman deliver milk to our door. Um, And we took turns cooking dinner for each other every night. And for some people that was kind of intimidating, because they never really cooked for a large group before, but I'm from a big family again, and so I felt really comfortable with the arrangement, and cooking for nine other people was no problem. I was really good at cooking for a big group, and I was also one of the older members of the co-op, most of whom were underclass women, and so I guess to them I seemed a bit like a mom figure, and so I got the nickname of Mama Mac, and it really made me feel like the co-op was my family and that, you know, other people living there looked up to me and knew that they could rely on me for, for a good meal. The other example I'll offer is from when I lived in Cambodia. So after I graduated from college, I lived in Cambodia for about three years. Uh, I was working to start this environmental study abroad program. And my name is quite difficult for Cambodians to say. It's, I guess, a lot of syllables and just sounds sort of strange in Khmer, which is the Cambodian language. So some of my Cambodian colleagues would call me Mac or more frequently Z, because unlike in English, where we often use the first syllable of a name for a nickname, Cambodians usually take the last syllable of a name. But my name was still sort of a problem, and a few months in, I had made some Cambodian friends um, who worked for a local bike tour company, and they asked me if I wanted to go mountain biking. And I was super intimidated by this because they were really good cyclists, like they did this for a living. And I had never mountain biked before. And we ended up biking on this like really rough rainforest track, like rocky, washed out, hilly paths through the forest. And it was one of the toughest things I've ever done physically. And at the end of that day, I was exhausted. Like my backside was super bruised, was super muddy. And we went out for drinks and 
at some point my Cambodian friends decided, you know, we need to come up with a Cambodian name for Mackenzie. And so at first some of the guys were suggesting like these really typical Cambodian female names, like really gentle, soft names like Bopa, which is this type of flower in Cambodia. And they just didn't really sound right for me. And then one of the guys was like, no, Mackenzie isn't like that. She's loud. She's confident. Like she went mountain biking with us today. So one of them suggested the name Janda and Janda is a unisex name. And I've been told, uh, although I do see different results when I Google online, that it means like strong hearted or spirited in Khmer. And so this was still really early into my time in Cambodia. And I had just started learning Khmer. I was still feeling pretty nervous about navigating a really different culture. And I didn't have that many good local friends yet. So getting this really strong, meaningful name in the local language was a big deal for me. And it was sort of one of the first moments that I felt like I was finally starting to assimilate and be part of my community versus just feeling like a tourist. And I ended up staying in Cambodia a lot longer than I expected. At the end of my time there, I taught English at a Cambodian university. And I think just on the first day, I introduced myself as Nekru Janda, which is like teacher Janda. So I just knew it would be kind of easier for my students um, to know me by my Cambodian name. And it's all my students called me. And yeah, at that point, I spoke pretty good Khmer. I, I felt that the city I lived in, Siem Reap, was, was a second home. And teaching those Cambodian students was a really incredible experience for me. And probably the most impactful job that I've ever had. And today, about four or so years later, I'm still in touch with most of those students and being called Janda by them makes me still feel connected to Cambodia, even though I've been gone for several years now. Those were two really solid examples of how a certain name can bring you more into a community and make you feel more a part of that community, especially when you have been named by the people in there. Have you ever given permission to people to use a nickname or is it always just either I'm going to introduce myself as, as that or I'll just sort of let it come up organically? I certainly favor the organic option. Um, I mean, maybe if my Cambodian friends tried to call me Bopa, I would have had a problem. <laughs> um, but I think maybe the names I've been given have always been a good fit for me. Certainly there are some that I like more than others. I have some friends in high school who would try to call me Big Mac, and it just reminds me of McDonald's. And um, <laughs> So I might say, like jokingly, like, I don't love that nickname, but I never have taken a hardline approach on it. And again, I think other than teaching in Cambodia, I've never really introduced myself by one of these names. But yeah, that's just been my experience. Yeah, I don't remember you ever saying, Ellen, you can call me Mac now. But I do remember being like, I think I know her well enough now to drop the second half of the name and I'm going to give it a try. And it, it went fine. <laughs> I think one of the things that's really interesting um, when you talked about studying in and, and living in Cambodia is that the person that was really maybe navigating the conversation around dubbing the a nickname saw you pretty clearly. So I think there's a question around, you know, what does it feel to be seen so clearly by someone you don't know and, and to receive a nickname in that regard versus the emotions that come with someone trying to name you Big Mac and you're like, nah, I'm good. <laughs> 
I think it just feels really good and really reaffirming to be seen like that, to be seen through a name. I think it's just a really powerful marker of identity. And yeah, it made it really easy to accept. I mean, I didn't know Kamai well enough at that point to have any sense of like what Jandam meant. Like it could have meant something terrible, but I mean, there was trust there in believing like, you know, they know their language and this is a name that they think suits me given what they know about me. So I think the last question I'll pose to the group here before we move into what happened in the chapter. This chapter is called Strider, and it features somebody with many names, but he starts by introducing himself as Strider. Why do we think that is his nickname? Is it because he's tall, or is there is there more there? Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. It's actually been several years since I read that chapter. I thought it had something to... Hit- to do with him being like a ranger and being out in the wilderness, but mm, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I got the same sense that because he is often walking and going many places and adventuring out in the wilderness, that Strider was like, he is striding through the world, mm-hmm. but that might be a, a too literal an interpretation of that nickname. It's hard to know. It is very on the nose. If it's like, oh, mm-hmm. I just noticed that he walks around a lot. Let's call him Strider. <laughs> Great. And and yet we know that that's how most nicknames happen. Is like, what's the most evident characteristic about you? That's not your nickname. That's right. Yeah, Fatty Lumpkin, the robust pony. Mm-hmm. He got that nickname. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like there's also an aspect of like, he's very unrooted at that point in the in the trilogy, right? That's so true. he's kind of like rejected his like royal past and this sort of like a wayward traveler in the world. So I guess Strider is sort of a nicer way of putting that he really doesn't have a home or like a distinct purpose. He's just sort of like wandering through the world at this point. Yeah. Strider is definitely more purposeful than like vagabond or (laughs) wanderer. (laughs) Frodo does think he looks a little unruly. He's like, I don't know about this guy. He's kind of tattered and... Maybe not. And he says as much to Strider. Yes. And Strider's like, I guess I do kind of look scrubby. Thanks, yeah. Frodo. That is what it is. Okay, well, thank you, Mackenzie, for that. Anna, let's transition into today's chapter. Anna, what happened in the chapter? It is a short one. It is a short one. So... The, the events of the chapter are relatively succinct, but they're setting us up for a lot. So I'm excited. And again, without Tom Bombadil, so just mm-hmm. thoroughly thrilled to be here. So we learn that Strider has been looking for Frodo, indicating that he knows much about the group's travel and their potential secrets. So that's... Keep a secret, keep it safe. That's right. We're learning a lot about that. The barman... Butterbur, if I remember correctly, gives Frodo a letter from Gandalf, which had indicated that Gandalf like wouldn't be joining Frodo and that Frodo uh, should leave immediately from the Shire. And of course, now Frodo is receiving this much too late. And in that same letter, Gandalf names Strider as a friend. And the group agrees with Strider's offering that Strider will go with them to Rivendell. Then, Mary, who has not been in the room the whole time that the the group is discussing with Strider, bursts in and tells them that there are black riders in town, 
and that they ultimately agree as a group to change their sleeping arrangements to protect themselves from discovery. And Nob, the hobbit who works at the bar, helps set up a decoy, and that's where the chapter ends. I like that Nob was good enough to try to do the decoy and stuff the beds in order to trick the Black Riders. I thought that was quick thinking on his part. Mm-hmm. Clever hobbit. Mm-hmm. Very clever hobbit. But yeah, it was a, it was a brief chapter, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. We learned a lot. We saw one of my favorite quotes and also one of perhaps the most famous quotes from the book, which is, all that glitters is not gold and all who wander are not lost. Um, and this is a pair of stanzas, really, that Gandalf includes in the letter and is a way of knowing who Strider is. So with that said, Ellen, where did you see examples of the theme in today's chapter? That is such a wonderful segue because one of the first examples that I wanted to bring is from the, also from Gandalf's letter. He says, this is the PPS. Quote, make sure that it is the real Strider. There are many strange men on the roads. His true name is Aragorn. And I just thought it was interesting that somebody could have a true name and a fake name, I guess, would be the other side. Because I assume there aren't, like, legal documents in Middle Earth where it's like, well, his legal name is Aragorn, but we call him Strider. So I guess in this case here, what makes it his true name versus his other name? Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting because one of the, the questions that came up for me while we were reading the chapter is related to this, where Strider seems to talk about himself in the third person, but almost as like a dissociation from the personhood he may have held while called Aragorn, and now how he lives as Strider. So, oh, Strider will do that. Strider will do that. And it almost seems like he's sort of living into the character of Strider. And I wonder about that being sort of how he knows himself, how he gets, how he moves through the world, how he strides through the mm, world, mm-hmm. and that being how he knows himself in those contexts. And whether a name then can be truer than another if there may be situationally specific. Right, because we assume both names have been given to him, that he has not chosen them, because one of the first things he says in this chapter is, quote, I am called Strider, which is different from, like, my name is Strider, or I am Strider, but it's I am called Strider, which makes me think that somebody has given him this nickname, and we assume also somebody has given him the name Aragorn. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting to me that he finds one to be truer than the other. Mm-hmm. I guess it's sort of like with how Gandalf is only known in the Shire for his tricks, his party tricks, mm-hmm. even though he's something of a great wizard. Mm-hmm. Strider is probably only known as a ranger, mm-hmm. whereas Aragorn acknowledges the the more full picture of the man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, you know, as we've discussed earlier, a nickname is really something that works best, in my opinion, when it's given to you. 
usually when you try and give yourself a nickname, it's a pretty disingenuous moment. So it's interesting then, you know, what the community looks like where they initially called him Strider. And what was that sort of negotiation like for Aragorn to present himself presumably under not his true name or his given name or his original name. Or his title. Or his title. And so does he kind of just show up and then the community's like, he's got to, you know, prove himself through some sort of trial. And with that then comes this additional moniker. I also think that he is something of a mysterious figure in Bree. Mm-hmm. You know, he's one of those rangers. We sort of don't trust them as they're they're floating in and out of the town. And I think having a nickname adds to that mystique. Like, if his nickname was Bob, you know, would be like, oh, well, there goes all of the, the mystique and the mystery around this person. It's mm-hmm. just Bob. Mm-hmm. But instead they named him Strider. And I think, you know, it, it suits and fits the persona that he is bringing when around the Brelanders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in that way, it sounds almost like it's a like a social currency, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Like, it sets an expectation and a framework for other people to know you as, and then you can kind of move within those frames, but no one is surprised when someone who may be a bit muddied and tattered shows up at their front door, and then you realize their name is Strider. You're mm-hmm. like, yep, mm-hmm. checks out. I do think... We kind of talked about this a little bit with Mackenzie, about personality uh, being important in the nickname. I think one of the reasons that people are so comfortable giving Mackenzie nicknames is that she's a very friendly and outgoing person. If you're more reserved or a little bit less gregarious, you probably wouldn't receive a friendly nickname. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing that Strider is not out there trying to make friends. Yeah, he's not buying around at no. the bar for everybody. No, he's not. So I think I think it suits him. Mm-hmm. Those two quotes together were really like the main example that I had to bring is I am called Strider, his true name is Aragorn. Mm-hmm. Did you have any examples that you wanted to bring to the episode well, today? I did have a couple. So we already know that Mary and Pippin both are nicknames. Mary from Mariadoc and Pippin from Peregrine. So we have... I wish it was Peggy. I know. I just... <laughs> Peregrine always makes me think of Peregrine Falcon. And right. he's so not that as a, as a person, as a character. So that's just very curious. I mean, as far as choosing names for oneself, Frodo, right we learn and throughout the book has been sort of leading up to this moment saying, call me Mr. Underhill. Mm, So I don't mm -hmm. think you can qualify that as a nickname, but still is sort of an adoption of a name other than one's own original name. An alias. An alias. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And then the last that I had was the sickle is what the hobbits call Mm. the plow or great bear. So I think, again, just kind of an interesting insight both to the world building that, you know, the author is doing, as well as the idea that there are different contexts in which language is used to name things. And mm-hmm. sometimes that leads to a nickname, and sometimes that leads to the name that you know something as, but that does not make it universal. So a couple of small little examples sprinkled throughout. Yeah, I don't think there are bears in the Shire, so I like that they have named this something that is recognizable to them and their culture and their community. Mm -hmm. That's right. 
If you had to have an alias, do you know what your alias would be? I don't know that I'd know what my alias would be. I think if we hearken back to the conversation we were just having, it really depends on the purpose for the alias. Mm -hmm. Because if you want something nondescript, and presumably it's... Forgettable. Forgettable. You're in... You're Jason Bourne. You're running away. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And, And you're in, you know, the United States. Okay, well then there are a series of names that would allow me to be sort of just... Another face in a crowd without someone thinking too too hard about it. Emily um, Jones. That was exactly going to be <laughs> my selection. <laughs> but I think it, it also depends, like, you know, is it a call sign for a, a fighter jet or something? Because mm. then you need something very distinctive mm-hmm. so you, when you get on the radio, people know who you are. So I think names have great power, and thus choosing them comes with great responsibility. Mm-hmm. So Sam calls Frodo Mr. Frodo in a way that is not ironic and means respect. And then at one point, Frodo calls Strider Mr. Strider. And I think in that moment, he is being a little bit ironic and maybe a a tad sarcastic and like the honorific and giving out this title. So it's just interesting to think about how titles are used in the chapter. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that chapter discussion, Anna. Let's go back and revisit Mackenzie and hear what her action item is. So um, today I've spoken about how my nicknames have had a really positive impact on my life. Um, They've made me feel comfortable and more bonded with new groups of people and friends and Um, have also made me feel more rooted in new places and cultures. Um, But nicknames aren't always positive. I think we all know that they can be deeply unkind, a source of teasing or even of othering another person. And I'm sure we can think of times, probably in childhood, that we were called names that we didn't like being called. And for this reason, my takeaway assignment, I guess it's not really a one time action item, but it has two parts. Um, First is to respect whatever people tell you they want to be called. Um, If you're not sure, just ask someone, what do you want to be called by? And then second, don't start calling someone something other than their name without asking their permission. So you can say something like, do you have any nickname you'd like me to use? Or is it okay if I call you Mac or whatever? I think this consent aspect is really important. So recently, my youngest sister, Gabrielle, told my entire family, I want to be called Gabrielle, not Gabby. And she's 19 now, and we've only called her Gabby her entire life. So calling her Gabrielle feels really weird to me. But I'm going to try to be better about this, try to call her Gabrielle, because I think the names we use for other people are one of the easiest ways of making people feel comfortable and accepted. That was a great action item. I will definitely try very intentionally to to do that moving forward and ask people what they would like to be called before dubbing them anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's really important. As someone named Anna in a space that often sees Anna's, there is a very sort of nuanced approach to reminding people how to pronounce my name and, and how best to interact with me. But it is a huge difference when people take the time to ask because it feels like they're willing to see 
me and my whole self as opposed to making an assumption or identifying something that's simplest for them. So I agree wholeheartedly that when you respect what someone sees themselves as, um, that's a huge step towards creating a stronger and more respectful community. Thank you for that action item, Mackenzie. Uh, We are so appreciative that you were able to join us for today's episode. Today's podcast was brought to you by Marleman Butterbur's Barley Beer. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dom. If you have thoughts on today's episode or homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in fellowship. Uh, are you glad that my selection of your nickname, Ellen Butt, Uh, did not stick um, in my three-year-old wisdom? I wish Ellen Watermelon had. Mm. That's a good one. Mm -hmm. Maybe that would be my fighter jet. Watermelon on the radio here. Niner, niner.